0: i'm starting the cameras everyone good okay good to go
1: the following audio exclusive features an uncut conversation with professor kimberly w crenshaw from our episode professor kimberly crenshaw and soledad o'brien call out the media on critical race theory
0: The right wing seem to have found their new wedge issue, this time with an explicitly racist lens, critical race theory. The simple idea that the U.S.'s laws affect different people differently according to their race, that the law isn't race neutral, if you will, has suddenly become a talking point for GOP activists and increasingly the mainstream media. And it's bringing a lot of heat to school board meetings across the country and debates over school funding and curriculum. As of this filming, six states have passed laws that stem from this furor. school board members and their families have been threatened and teachers have even been fired. Needless to say, the people doing the most of the talking on critical race theory have not been the lawyers and the scholars who invented the term or anyone who seems to know much about it. But like allegations of political correctness in the 1990s, this is sowing division and stoking fears. So what is critical race theory actually? And why are some people so obsessed with it? How could journalists and the media companies they work for do a better job of correcting all the disinformation To begin to answer some of those questions, I'm gonna speak with UCLA and Columbia law professor, Kimberly Williams Crenshaw, whom the New York Times once called critical race theory's chief theoretician. My -hmm. old friend, Kim, do you think that's fair? Are you the chief theoretician of critical race theory?
1: No, there's no chiefs uh, over here, but I was one of the ones that created the first workshop and created the term critical race theory. So I guess uh, I'm kind of inside the bullseye on this one.
0: Well, you certainly are. So take us back there. I mean, it almost goes back to when we first met, you know, the late 80s, you were with a group of people talking about this, professors mostly, and you authored a, a Harvard Law Review piece that in some quarters is called the kind of manifesto of critical race theory. Can you talk about the conditions of that time and What gave rise to this work? Well, yeah, you know,
1: it it feels like ancient history now, Um, but we were, Laura, part of what I consider the second generation of civil rights activists and students. We occupied the institutions after the sort of formal segregationist period was deemed to be over. Now, of course, uh, Harvard Law School was not one of the places um, that we had to um, deal with um, the immediate uh, consequences of having been a formally segregated school. It wasn't like the University of Texas, for example, that used to uh, pr- exclude African-Americans altogether. But what we did learn and what we did understand is that the, the liberal institution was not one in which um, the issues around race found their way into the curriculum. They just didn't think it was important. Many of us had gone to Harvard Law School to study with Derek Bell, um, author of the famous Race, Racism, and American Law, only to find that he had left and that there were no plans to teach his course. So uh, our goal was to seek the kind of education that would allow us to be uh, uh, helpful in the ongoing struggle for racial justice, the ongoing struggle to dismantle uh, the consequences of white supremacy. And there we learned not only that this elite institution was completely disinterested (laughs) in educating us uh, to fulfill those roles, we also learned that the thinking about the relationship between race and law uh, was uh, dramatically underdeveloped. So Mm. critical race theory grew out of this second generation civil rights formation, looking at how race and racism wasn't just um, uh, 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 an an issue that the law sometimes came in and and tried to provide remedies against. The law was often the thing that created the very problem that it was then purporting to solve. So give us an
0: example. What was one of those that you remember that you hold out as as sort of encapsulating that problem, that issue? Um,
1: so one is that you know, the very idea that race is a natural category um, is a false idea. Race is what, what we call socially constructed. Namely, race is a, a, a product of laws, of practices, of, of institutions. Um, and, and law itself actually help constitute what race means. So here's an example, Plessy versus Ferguson is the uh, uh, fundamental case that determined that racial segregation was perfectly constitutional. Everyone knows the case for that. But the the other argument that Plessy was making was that it was unconstitutional for him to be considered to be Black because Plessy was seven-eighths white. You couldn't look at Homer Plessy and see that he was an African-American. So he was basically arguing the law was constituting the very categories of, of Black and white and was doing so in an asymmetrical or discriminatory way. Well, the court said, you don't even have standing to make that argument because you aren't white. right? You haven't lost anything by being classified as Black because you aren't white. But it was a circular argument because the law was the thing that determined. That he wasn't white. These are the kind of ways that racism and racial power um, not only became embedded in the law, but they were products of law itself. We we basically as critical uh, race scholars have looked at how racism has been embedded in the law ever since. Homer Mm -hmm. Plessy was just one example of countless ways that law made the Fiction of race materially real. So when when these critics of critical race theory say that we're the ones that believe in race essentialism, it is evidence you know, um, that they have no idea what they're talking about, or if they do, they don't mind lying about what our project really is. Anyone who reads critical race theory knows that the whole project is to resist the essentialist idea of race by... Giving people a sense of the constructedness of race and law's mm-hmm. role in it.
0: And when you say read critical race theory, are you referring to the reader that you were one of the editors of, the collected writings?
1: Well, yes. Uh, that people could start there. It's the big red book uh, called Critical Race Theory, um, and there there are other texts as well that 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 people. Uh, can read one by Chiara uh, Bridges, another by Richard Delgado. Um, so these are what I have started to call now that the right has tried to take our term and gentrify it. I call this like sort of the, the classical uh, critical race theory documents. They are the uh, articles and the arguments that come out of the law, Uh, focused ways that race and racism Mm. have been constituted. Now, um, critical race theory, the the idea of how to read race as uh, not natural, but constructed is uh, part of disciplines as widely Uh, uh, distributed as geography, as as sociology, political science. So the basic ideas that we took up in law are also ideas that other uh, scholars uh, and other teachers, other thinkers have taken up as well. And of course, now uh, the issue is the ways that these ideas are being taught in K through 12. So while that's not classic critical race theory and that it doesn't deal with law, it does deal with the way that race has been constructed in history. So that you can find materials pretty much everywhere.
0: So, I mean, I just have to point out that when um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis refers to his own standing up in favor of educational viewpoint diversity and against what he described as a stale ideology, He's referring to something that is relatively new, that was quite controversial at the time. Has been around long enough to be stale, and although you've been very expansive here, it's not generally the stuff of K through 12 education.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if I if I had my book with you with me, I would hold it up and, and I'd say, "Do people really think that this big red book uh, is being taught to second graders?" I mean, it it is. It's a ridiculous you know claim but you know they are not um bound to the truth in in any uh in any way in fact one of the main agitators has said you know he doesn't give an expletive about what critical race theory really is. What they realize is that this is a container into which they can pour all of their anxieties, all of their anger, um, to uh, distract and deflect from the fact that there really yeah. is no uh, agenda that the Republicans have other than holding on to power and trying to make it permanent. Um, and they're doing it in a classic way, you know, they, they're suffocating democracy and they're saying hey look over there critical race theory yeah. and unfortunately too many people are are falling in line um, you know I, I think Laura it can't be surprising that the base, is easily mobilized in this way. What is surprising, and I think it is something that we really have to talk about is what are the conditions of possibility uh, such that this attack has happened in uh, in a way that um, right. the other side is, is completely unprepared to, to respond to. Right, That's so you've question. raised
0: a lot of things there. I mean, one is there are some very real base, Motivating and mobilizing um, efforts happening around this issue that are having very real effects in school board educate, in school board elections, on school board uh, members. We've seen people quit, we've seen people be fired who are teachers. We'll talk to one in just a bit. Um, There have been fights over curricula for years, and this seems to be another one that is as much about that as it is about anything to do with critical race theory, although obviously they're connected. Um, But this fight over the curriculum, can we just talk about that first? And then you're raising a super important point, which is that we have seen these kind of white lash attacks before. We should be better. fueled and prepared to deal with them, we in the media, we in the public discourse, whatever you wanna call that. And yet we still seem to find ourselves on the back foot every single time. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about how that works. But first, why is the fight over school curricula and funding and teaching so important to the right?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Laura, uh, uh, public education remains the most significant public Uh, uh, institution that shapes how Americans think about the country, think about its history, think about its future. Uh, Brown versus Board of Education said it clearly. The reason why integration was so important is that education is the key to preparing people to participate in what we want to call ourselves to be a democracy. Um, so, so you know, I, I think there is some agreement about that uh, from left to right. Um, another way of putting it is there's agreement about the idea that the truth will, sh- will set you free. Um, where we divide is that our side wants to teach the truth and the other side doesn't. So it's not surprising then that public institutions, uh, education in particular, uh, have become ground zero in this, moment of racial reckoning, the post George Floyd, the post uh, emergence of Black Lives Matter in which teachers were taking up the challenge of uh, that, that students were bringing in, into the classroom. Help us understand. Um, why Derek Chauvin took George Floyd's life with a casualness that suggested that he knew the likelihood that he'd ever be punished for it was virtually nil. Um, How is this more than just a question of a few bad apples? How do we think about policing um, and and racial power over time? These are questions that have obviously been raised over the last uh, year in particular and teachers have rightfully um, taken up the challenge of exploring our history. Um, so we could have predicted that there would be a backlash. There's never been a moment of reform in which there hasn't been a backlash. And this backlash in education happens to be on a track that's already uh, a, a, a well positioned, the attack on uh, public education through vouchers, the attack on public education Uh, through uh, uh, fights about the curriculum, uh, fights uh, against uh, teachers. All of this is a a familiar foe. And now that they've thrown race uh, as a grenade over against the teachers, it's almost uh, too easy. Uh, My colleague Harris calls it, it's like rolling a ball down the hill. Our challenge is to try to figure out how we can push it back in the other way.
0: Well, We shouldn't have been surprised. You're totally right. We have been here before. You and I have been involved in these struggles and these discussions, I think for the entire time we've known each other, which is many decades. I mean, I could go down the list. In the eighties and nineties, it was political correctness and the gay agenda, the war on Christmas, um, the the defense of marriage as if it was under attack, the great feminism hoax, which had to do with simply integrating our curriculum to include some women writers, Um, uh, the fight over unisex bias Bathrooms, the fear that that's what the Equal Rights Amendment was going to bring into into existence. Sharia law. I mean the list is long. Mm-hmm. Can you think of one we've actually successfully defeated without a lot of sort of corpses in its wake? Well, well, you know, Laura, we've been trying to think of one for the
1: last couple of days. I'm'm not, I'm, I'm not sure that I have any better, answers when we couldn't come up with one before maybe, maybe yeah. you can throw one out but here here's here's what i i do think um we have seen this play so many times before that i believe hope that one of the things that our side does that allows for this to happen all the time is that we concede our territory we abandon you know um, our our structures. We we say, you know, um, they 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 have poisoned the well. Um, they've taken over our 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 fortress. We've got to cut and run, and it has never worked. It did not work with affirmative action. Um, it did not work with with welfare. It, it, it didn't work with any of these moments, even, even the, the challenge to uh, abandon feminism. It, it doesn't work when we try to hold the same agenda just under another term, because what they're doing is attacking the agenda. Um, they're attacking the substance. The name is just the, the tactic that they're using, but the, the, the project, Uh, is to dismantle the the content of the ideas. So So,
0: so on the affirmative action thing, just because for people who weren't there, you know, there was this move to, well, let's, let's not talk about race. That's been, the well has been so poisoned. We'll just talk about how good affirmative action is for example, for diversity. white women.
1: We'll talk about it in terms of diversity. Um, we'll talk about it in terms of, you know, equal opportunity, you know, and 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 this was something that was talked about uh, and, and sort of hammered, you know, by our side because the polls tell us that, you know, Americans don't like affirmative action. Well, they tell us that because the way it was successfully framed as preferential treatment, the way the media reported it as um, should we have reverse discrimination or not, References, <laughs> Ra- right. rather than should we dismantle uh, the processes, the projects, the ways that institutions repeatedly uh, reproduce certain kinds of exclusions. So this is a classic move. The right creates the story, um, often by lies and, and disinformation. They then are able to mobilize outrage, you know, around the lie um, uh, b- with people who believe that, that the lie is true. And then when mainstream media come along, they just report the controversy rather than how the controversy itself was produced. Yeah. So we know it now, we've seen it. We've seen it now play out in six months My hope is that since we've seen it so many times before, we're not gonna do the okie doke this time. We're gonna say, we're not gonna let you define what critical race theory is any way you want so that we all go a jump ship. We're not gonna let you poison what beauty is being produced in our citizenry by people demanding to know more. We know truth will set us free and we are determined to, create the classrooms and the information that our citizens need to actually be able to fully participate in this democracy.
0: My question is, yeah, I'm totally with you, and obviously we want to do air this debate for this, this discussion for this reason, but this isn't easy. It hasn't been easy for you. It isn't easy for people who are in the sights of a campaign like this from the right, as you've said. Um, they have their cannons well-fueled, and uh, we have an argument that is well-directed at people, yourself, not so much, but many people who are vulnerable on their school boards, teaching in, in high schools, but even you, I mean, how does it feel to be under attack like this and what's helpful?
1: Hmm, yeah, well, you know, um, it is Shocking. Uh, obviously uh, disconcerting. I mean, every academic wants it, wants their work to be uh, taken up and read. No academic wants to see um, their, their life's work being um, uh, thrown around like a political football with no sense that one has to engage the ideas on their own. Nobody wants that to happen. Uh, and yet I have to also say that nothing uh, creates more demand to understand an idea than officials saying that the ideas have to be banned.
0: So bring it uh, on.
1: Yeah. So, so there, <laughs> there, there, there is, there is that. Um, you know, uh, the scarlet uh, letter over critical race theory and intersectionality that I think if we mobilize effectively can create more engagement with the idea than before. I mean, there's good news and bad news as they say. (laughs) Uh, The good news is more people have heard of critical race theory in the last six weeks than heard about it over the last 30 years. So that's the good news. The bad news is they were introduced to it by you know, the right. And so the negatives are high. Our goal um, is to come along and say, you wanna know what critical race theory is? Let, let's talk about critical race theory in practice. Let's talk about critical thinking about race that's happening um, in, in your children's classroom. And if it's not happening, let's talk about why it needs to happen. So, you know, when, when you say what helps, what helps is first of all, media, not asking uh, us to eat from a table that has been set by the right. And that's what's been happening for the last several weeks. Like, what is it about you guys that they don't like? You know, (laughs) Uh, what, what is this critical race theory? Rather than, what is it that is motivating the right to pour all their grievances into this frame? Who's behind this? What's the money? What's the end game? So if, if you're in media, asking the question about what this is about, rather than simply saying, let's turn the microphone and let's turn the camera and, and, and examine these people. And I think the other thing that, that is incredibly helpful is when teachers and students and parents start telling their stories about what is happening in classrooms that, have, that that open the eyes, that allow us to understand our history for what it is to imagine different futures. It, it's helpful to tell the stories about, you know what, I knew nothing about the Tulsa massacre and I went to a high school in Tulsa. What is that telling us? about the intention to bury our history. So let's step out with the stories of what real education looks like. And let's also, honestly, let's tell the truth about what happens in classrooms in which anti-racism is not a value. We're hearing all of these stories, most of them unverifiable about terrible things that are supposedly happening uh, as an expression of critical race theory. But all of us who've been through American classrooms know on a day to day basis, some of the racist things that happen in classrooms. So let's talk about all of it. Let's give Americans a picture of what's really happening. And then let's have a fight about what should happen.
0: Well, we could keep talking about this for a very long time. And I would love to hear more about what you think should be happening in schools around teaching critical race theory properly. Um, I am curious, though, to ask you the question we ask a lot of our guests, you know, I've, I've been trying to get beyond the point where we say another world is possible to another world is actually palpable and it's feelable. You've, you've perceived it here or there or in relation to this person or in this experience. Um, is there an experience like that for you where you think oh, we actually can make this systemic change? Not, I don't just think it, but I, I feel it in this moment.
1: Yeah, you know, I- I think that the very fact that we are here in this moment, Laura, and having this fight about critical race theory makes me realize that when we started this thing 30 years ago, we were actually creating something that would create dividends further down the road. We we weren't aware at the time how much we were breaking um, with with, with tradition and creating a new model for thinking about this we, we we thought we were bringing our desires and our demands into into reality but the thought that you know 30 years later um, you know we we would be in the position to say to to the whole country um, this this way of thinking uh, is is actually um, a pregnant with all kinds of possibilities we never thought that people would be saying yeah we teach critical race theory and and this is this is how and why so sometimes you know the the most uh far reaching uh progressive critical possibilities happen when you're in when, e- either when you don't know it or you're in the middle of battle so it is it is the thing that that makes me um less pessimistic about the moment. And at the same time, I have to say, um, uh, I remember when Trump was, was first elected, the, the bad news was his election. We thought the good news was, so now it's clear that all the conversations that people said we couldn't have or shouldn't have because um, you know, it's, it, post-racialism has to be the frame of, of the day, otherwise you know, we'll lose people will see the folly of that argument. They will double down on efforts to show the connections between you know, um, anti-anti-racism and authoritarianism. They'll see how the slide into further, further, further right politics has been paved by you know, creating a national story of patriotism that is a story of denial and, and myth. We thought everybody would get it. Turned out everybody didn't get it (laughs) at all. So I say again right now, okay, hopefully now people will get that, you know, the same people that brought us the lie about, you know, January 6th are bringing us the lie about voting irregularities, are bringing us the lie about critical race theory in the classroom. And finally, they will all get that we have to push back against all of this because this is the, the pathway towards authoritarianism. It is our own brand uh, of proto-fascism. I'm hoping people get it. Hoping. Well, and
0: because I'm talking with Kim Crenshaw, I also will point out that of course you're including patriarchy and misogyny and Mr. Noir and all of that. Mr. Noir, it's no accident either that we have women of color first and foremost in the sight lines here. Um, And you have been moving our debate in many directions over many years. It's always a joy to talk with you about this, even though it's so frustrating. um, Maybe we are making a little bit of progress.
1: And Laura, let let me just end by by encouraging people to to really tell these stories. Um, You know, that the the right always comes up with a few horrific stories, true or not, and it drives their entire agenda. We are are trying to be a place where we can collect their stories, our stories. You know, Truth Be Told is our campaign at the African American Policy Forum, AAPF.org. So if you've got a story about how your way of thinking uh, about who you are and, and this society was opened up by a teacher who was mm. fearless and telling the truth, tell us that story. Or if something is being shut down, you know, like Black History Month or in the middle of COVID, a training about racism and, 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 and healthcare was shut down, um, tell us that story. We, we've got to start stepping into this with a concrete picture of what's at play. So check us out at aapf.org for truth be told.
0: We will put a link to the website at our website. And I'd love to hear some of those stories on video. Maybe we could collaborate.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. Such a pleasure, Laura. Thank Professor
0: Crenshaw, thank you so much.